Stud Muffin Man underscore <laughs> says, My significant other and I are moving in together. Ooh. Neither of us have lived with a partner before. And while we are both incredibly excited to take this step, both of us are a little nervous about it. Anyone out there have any advice on the situation? The asker is a 27-year-old male, and his partner is a 28-year-old female. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Ooh. Yeah. I think if it were me, I would be feeling the same, just excited and nervous. Um, excited and yeah. nervous, yeah. It's hard to tell them apart sometimes. It's really like your thoughts that you're yes. having and accompanying with it that can make you just recognize that arousal, that energy, that that urge to move as one thing or the other. Right. And the hope for it to go really well or also the fear of I really like like this person and I, I, I really want it to go well. And so what if it doesn't? Those two kind yeah. of riding alongside each other, little car buddies. Mm-hmm. And then you've got this other aspect of your life that uh, you're attaching to the ship of your relationship. Right. Right. <laughs> the tugboat. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely scary because you kind of are also losing, you're gaining so much, but you're also losing an element of your independence. You're losing your own domain of being at home without this person. So that's yes. why it's such a big step. Here's, uh, I'm going to start with this advice. Keep planning dates that are um, ahead of time, outside of the apartment, um, just the two of you, and keep planning uh, private time where you do something without the other person. I'd say ideally, I don't know what your schedule's like, but ideally one of those each a week, um, at least, you know, you could go on more dates than that, but... It can be easy to slip into a, um, well, we're living together, so we see each other enough, and then none of it's like intentional time, and either partner might feel like there's not effort being put into the relationship, and it can get kind of stale that way. And then also, to counterbalance that, um, you can feel like you don't have any privacy, any like time away where you're missing the other person, or you can be the version of yourself that um, you're not as much like you you can explore those other sides of yourself uh, by having planned opportunities to be with other people or to be alone or just like not hang out with your partner for that night. Yeah, I agree. I love that. And I think a third prong to that kind of triangle yeah, of prong. social <laughs> interaction is for each of you to continue to maintain connections with separate friends and mm-hmm. spend time nurturing other relationships Um, so that you're not, again, not just defaulting, like the time we spend together as a couple is just, we're both at home, but also that the time we spend socializing isn't only between the two of us. Um, I, I, I mentioned that with an added sense of importance, given the, the whole coronavirus thing, because I think it's, uh, you know, even harder to expand outwards right now. We feel like we're in a bit of a sort of social cave and so I think that the more that you can go out and have or or stay in and video chat people in different rooms, but the more that you can go outside of the relationship for fresh air and new energies um, breathes life into your connection because then you guys can teach each other things about, you know, 
what did so-and-so say? And like, what did you learn from this interaction? And, uh, oh, we play this game and that's something that we could play together. It just, it just, you know, adds a little bit more, um, yeah, again, breathes a little air into it and kind of, uh, interrupts potential stagnation. All this being said, I've never lived with a partner. So what the fuck do I know? Um, I've done it. I would love to hear your experience. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, added joys and added challenges, both. Yeah. Um, I think one coronavirus specific tip I wanted to give um, is you can go for car rides and talk to a friend that way. I think it's important to be able to feel like you're talking one-on-one with a friend um, so you can talk about your partner, not just to your partner. Um, If you're speaking constructively, it's, uh, I think, okay to gossip about them um, or just... Oh, you gotta gossip. Yeah, like, otherwise, they're your only recipient for that information. And sometimes you need to uh, process your negative feelings about 100%. a person to someone who's not them. Or get excited um, about them to someone who's not them. That's true, too. Yeah, because you can overwhelm a person by you need to express this joy you have for them. And if you say it too much to them, they might be, uh, you know, overwhelmed by that or feel too much pressure. They're not going to be able to live up to that. Um, well, and I think it's just fun to share good news with like, you know, someone, a friend who is not involved like, oh, you know, this is what we did. And you have to, especially during this time too, like share good things that are going on in your life and share things that you're excited about. And sure. Yeah. Maybe you're surprising them with a gift or something like that. Mm. Um, I want to point out, um, it may be a learning experience for what types of things matter to you that you didn't expect matter to you. Which of your possessions have a mm. uh, sentimental value or represent some value of yours that you might not share with your partner. Your silverware might become more important or um, the way the fridge is organized, all these little things. Um, some things it's better to just let go if they're important to your partner and they're not important to you. Um, basically pick your battles is what I'm trying to, uh, recommend. But if you leave everything up to your partner's design choices and it feels like just one person's space, that can really, uh, hurt the relationship too. So I think it's important that, um, you use some of each of your old things and then buy some new things together or, you know, to buy them, maybe you could find them used or whatever i'm not asking you to spend a bunch of money but like bring some new things into the space Mm -hmm. and split whose stuff is going to be uh the shared like furniture wall decorations um tools stuff like that yeah absolutely because you want both partners to feel like this is my home and this is a home Mm -hmm. that we've created together not one person is just kind of moving into and uh, taking, taking some space in someone else's spot. Cause then that, that creates, I mean, it creates a sort of inequity in terms of like the, the, the power balance. Um, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily terrible. It's just something that you then have to compensate for elsewhere. I think to maintain more, uh, equanimity is not quite the right word, but equilibrium. There we go. 
equilibrium. Yes. Um, um, yeah. One more specific I want to give is if it's possible in your space to uh, have separate rooms to sleep in as an option, I think that that's great because if you have a bedroom that also acts as an office and one of you couldn't sleep the night before or wants to take a nap during the middle of the day, just more friction when people are tired and they don't have a, a place that they can rest. Um, I think it's great to have a big bed that you can sleep together and to have like a sofa in another room or a pullout bed or even another full bed in another room to allow if one of you has to get up really early for an event. It doesn't have to wake up the partner. That's great insight. Um, I, I actually, well, as you were saying that I was thinking of another thing, um, about yeah, cohabitation chores and cleaning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, this is an area. So I used to listen to this podcast. I actually think that they just, they started a second season from within quarantine, but it's called honey. Um, and it's, yes. they interview couples about mostly their fights, but also just kind of how they met each other and, and, you know, what their relationship is like and just sort of the intimate details of being a couple. It's a great show. I highly recommend it. I'll pop a link in the description for this episode. Um, but the host was talking about, there are these kind of domains that come up again and again, where couples tend to have friction and why. And, um, one of them is chores, like doing the dishes, for example, um, the, the others are like driving and then playing board games. And I think that they, a lot of them came down to just issues of control who likes mm-hmm. to be in charge or who also with, with cleaning, like whose standards are a little bit more stringent and maybe that person needs things to be a little cleaner. And the other person, when they go to do the dishes or whatever, they don't do them to the extent that the other partner wants them to be done. And then that can create friction. So I think it would just be a good idea to map some of that out ahead of time and maybe even figure out like, okay, well, what chores do you like to do or not mind doing and what chores do you hate doing and kind of finding the crossover on those lists so that there can be as much harmony as possible and, and as much, uh, positive compromise and not, you know, one person ends up doing the chore that they hate all the time just because it it bugs them that the garbage hasn't been taken out. Uh, and for you guys to enter into that negotiation with the mindset of we're on this team together and we want to help each other to have as much harmony as possible <laughs> in this space. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be things that nobody likes doing. Um, and then isn't that a lovely gesture, loving gesture you can <laughs> do for your partner on a day where you know that they've had a tough go of it? Like you take out the garbage that day for them and. Um, just, just maintaining that, that sense of balance again, the, the power balance and the, the labor balance are, are going to be really more important things to, to manage. I think once you start cohabitating, um, going off of that, this is more general relationship advice, I think, but, uh, any kind of acknowledging when you notice that your partner has done a chore like that goes mm. such a long way, like just. Don't keep it to yourself if you notice that they took out the trash. Say thank you for things like that. Even if you think it's a small thing that doesn't deserve it, uh, people often feel like they um, do much more of the work and that their partner Mm. doesn't recognize the work that they do. Um, I think uh, to help with this as well, 
It's great to have a scheduled check-in time. This can be short or have space to expand into like an hour-long conversation, but either weekly or monthly, maybe first Sunday of the month or something like that. Um, just have a time where if there wasn't another good time to bring something up, such as, uh, you notice the dishes are dirty, but your partner's cranky or has trouble falling asleep or something, uh, that you, you don't want to bring up the dishes at that time that, uh, you notice it. There's another time where you can air out those grievances and look for solutions and discuss patterns, um, so that things don't continue to accumulate and then end up in a, a huge fight after a board game uh, finally peels the scab off of a festering wound. <laughs> what? Yeah. No. <laughs> Isn't that what you said about cute. honey? That people fight a lot during board games because yes, it's a 100%. control issue. It's right. Proxy battles. Exactly. Exactly. Do you do you have any specific anecdotes from your experiences living with partners with any of this um, that you want to share? I was a, the dirtier kitchen person. I keep my kitchen a bit dirtier, but I also felt like uh, her standards were uh, just uh, unobtainable or like <laughs> ridiculous. I was like, well, we we can't just always settle on the person with higher standards. Like sometimes the higher standards person has to lower their standards a little too to accommodate, mm-hmm. um, just because it's going to change my whole thought process to have to do that. Um, yeah. So how'd no, you nothing, resolve that? Uh, kitchen was a little cleaner than I wanted and a little dirtier. Than, <laughs> it was just kind of a compromise. How inconvenient for you that it was cleaner than you yeah, wanted. I think, um, <laughs> getting, getting it more specific, <laughs> no, like my effort, my, uh, investment in keeping like meaningless parts of it clean. Um, I think <laughs> meaningless <this> to you, <laughs> <laughs> like the drain of some food's not touching anyway. Um, getting specific about those requests, uh, and keeping the tone like non accusational or aggressive, yeah. um, and just owning it and being like, it's not something that's wrong with you, it's just a particular thing that I care about. Um, so here, can you do it this way? Like, let's try it. I remember, uh, yeah, I had a request. I had this, these, this cutting board with, uh, plastic tops on it. Mm -hmm. And my partner was, um, cutting directly onto the wood. I was like, well, it's hard to wash the wood. And then like water gets stuck in the crevices and it's got these plastic tops so that the, like when you're chopping onions on it, you can just wash the top and then you don't have to deal with and that was a uh, an issue because of the time that I brought it up. We were talking about <laughs> other things in the kitchen. <laughs> Just eventually, she came around and started using the tops. That's how I remember that. <laughs> All right, I feel like we've uh, we've done a, a number on this question, and it's time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that huh. I like when we tell specific stories about ourselves. I mean, I think that that makes the makes our advice feel a little remember. bit more vivid. No, um, you're right. I don't even remember the details of like how that came to be, though. Or I feel like that was a real half baked story. <laughs> <I just told. laughs> so you're yeah, you just don't want to linger in it now because you're you. 
aren't confident in it. I could just make shit up. I could improvise the story. But I don't think that's necessary. No, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Ruin our listeners' trust. So, guys, just my just stud muffin man. Just just be mindful of the cutting board. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I. I mean, I. Rem- I'm definitely the person. I think in in general who is more cleanly. So that's why I, I tried to take that oppositional stance against you on, you know, just kind of break, uh, busting your balls a little bit about like, oh, oh, oh no, so fair. sorry it was cleaner than you wanted. Because I think that I think, yeah, this is a girl boy breakdown too. This, yeah. this tends to track that way. Right. Right. I think it has to do with the nature of our sex organs. Please. I would love a slight elaboration. I don't need on to that. elaborate. Isn't that isn't that just <laughs> isn't that enough? No, I I think that might be the juiciest part of this feature. What do you what? Okay. Why would the sex organs have anything to do with who likes things dirty or who likes things clean? Well, um, I think a vagina is more prone to infection than a penis, mm. and um, yeah, that's just like a, a uh, there are. Douches are sold, and I heard there's a big backlash against douches. That it's not something you're actually supposed to use, but it is. Right. That's a product. Whereas there's not a male douche. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 I guess there's an enema. I don't know how similar that is in function. I've never used either of these products, but. Um, yeah. 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 Well, the a, vagina is supposed a to be self protocol that's, So. Yeah, wiping to, protocol, to front to back, from always. Yeah, front to back. Whereas men, whatever direction you side to side, right. up and down, in and out. However, because you you're like not gonna it. like wipe it into your pee hole. That's just not gonna happen. No, no, you're probably not. <laughs> um, Although, if you yeah. are listening and you've had experience with that, please let us know. <laughs> if you've ever had an issue, <laughs> if you're a penis owner and you've ever had an issue wiping shit into your pee hole. Please write to us at free advice podcast podcast at (laughs) (laughs) gmail.com. All right, guys. Let's get this episode rolling. What are we at? Episode 64? Fuck yeah. Let's hit the floor. Free advice. 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 Would you like free advice? Free advice. Free advice. Free advice. Hey everyone, welcome back to welcome. episode 64 of the Free Advice Podcast. Still giving you advice, still free. New questions keep pouring in every week. Wow. Wow. So much gratitude for all those questions. Mm-hmm. We that's love Morgan it. Beard. You love it. That's Rob Zaleski. That's Morgan Beard. And that's still Rob Zaleski. He's over there. I'm hosts. over here. We are yep. in different rooms today. We've returned to virtual recording due to the spike in coronavirus cases in Los Angeles. Big time spike. <laughs> Trying to model good behavior for you guys. Both of us are wearing our gloves right now. <laughs> in our independent living rooms. <laughs> we are yes. just coated in plastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fantastic. That's what that's what Aqua would say. Listen, Morgan, do you have any advice that you need? Um, you know, nothing that's coming to my mind, but it sounds like Here's you want to give me you. some unsolicited advice. Yeah, I'll give here you we some go. Advice. Here we go. I can't wait. You're a musician, right? You like yeah, to sing. Right. You right. Like to hit the notes. Right. You like to harmonize. When I can, absolutely. 
You like to tell tales with a melody? Well, <laughs> someday, sooner or later, you're going to want to be distributing this music mm. on the internet. Mm. And let me tell you, SoundCloud has seen better days. Uh-oh. Uh, so you're going to want to be on probably the big time streaming services and you're going to need a distributor. Well, I was looking into this this week oh. and I noticed something that can, even if you're not a musician, keep listening. Sometimes when you sign up on a website, you give them your email address and you start the process of paying for something, but you don't complete it, they'll send you discounts. This happened to me with DistroKid. DistroKid can put your shit up on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Play, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, all the big names. I don't think I'm missing any there, am I? Dude, I don't know. Am I missing any? I don't think. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Keep keep it rolling. You said it. Yep. Listen, Mm -hmm. normally 20 bucks a year, their deal is uh, you can upload up to five albums during that year. Okay. And it's just 20 bucks. It's kind of insane if someone's making five albums in a year. Pretty. Yeah, exactly. But um, (laughs) I think like. Stop. Slow down. Evaluate if your music is good. I, well, you know what it is. It's like if you have the albums already made, yeah, yeah, and then I gotcha, I gotcha. you're putting them online for the first time. It's this Fair. band from the '90s or whatever, and they're just getting with the times. Right, um, right, right. That's your so that's a good deal. But then they'll send you a discount, thirty five percent off. Oh, if shit, you just that's wait a significant a discount. I know. Right now, I mean, it's only twenty bucks, but it starts to they can nickel and dime you uh, if you want the artist. Plus, the Musician Plus subscription that allows you to pick a release date, which allows you to submit for Spotify playlists. That's 35 a year. So mm. uh, basic advice is just wait a day or two and see if they email you some good deals. They emailed me again the next day and upped it to 40% off. Fuck. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I've definitely found that where if you give a company or something your email and you don't finish checking out, they have like an automatic thing in there that emails you it's you know for like protocol of like empty card or you know you left something in your card or whatever or you were considering okay. buying yeah that's here's one more tip okay M- maybe some people don't do this whenever you see a coupon code on the checkout of something online just open a new tab real quick google that website's name coupon code and sometimes you hit uh retail me not or slick yeah. net or something like that We'll give you, this takes like an extra 30 seconds and you could save $10 or more depending on the percentages and the prices and all the math and how that works out. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just put in, and then if nothing comes up, or you, why not just type in military and see if that is a discount code. It's a very common discount code that a lot Ooh. of retailers use to give people in the military discount. You don't have to have a military ID. You can just type in military as the code. Okay. Wow. Those are some ways to save money. Wow. And you can use all the money you save from these financial tips to donate to us at a Patreon page that doesn't exist yet. (laughs) You can just Venmo us. (laughs) Yeah, set set that up. If you want to give out your Venmo information, go ahead. I'm I'm just kidding, guys. The advice will always be free or (laughs) donation-based. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> okay, okay. All, all right. right, all right, Morgan. It wasn't that funny. <laughs> Chill the fuck all out. Right. This is your right. first joke of this episode. Chill the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're doing great. Oh, really. phew. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I was feeling so good and so juicy during the warm up. And then sometimes, like, we start the what episode happened? and then I just kind of harden. I just gargoyle fry. I just kind of shrivel like a little not funny raisin. And I'm like, suddenly I only give serious advice. No funny business. Yeah, well, I think you get serious at the right times. Okay. I don't think you just, I haven't noticed a lot of you just, we're all having fun and then you shrivel all of a sudden. <laughs> all of us, you, me, and the listener that's not here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So yeah, if you guys, if you want to point out any particularly raisiny moments of mine, if you notice anything now from here on out, sometimes, you, you know, Freud says once you become aware of something, you start seeing it everywhere. So if you start no- noticing me raisining up, if you could just hit us with a time code, <laughs> free advice podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Can you tell we're trying to solicit engagement? Cause we want to hear from you. Yeah. Cause we only get to Morgan hear from each other. Real sun kissed at 26, 27. <laughs> Oh, is that a raisin or your clitoris? Oh, you're no, you're becoming a raisin. <laughs> uh, do you okay. have any? Do you have any advice you want to ask for from me? Do I need to ask for any advice right now? Hmm. It's a hot offer. It will never expire. Coupon code military. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah. I think I'm pretty good. Fuck yeah. I got it all figured out right now. Sick. Yeah. It'll Sick. change, but yeah, for the for moment, sure. all is well. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Good. I kind of feel you. that way too. So I'm I'm happy. Good. I'm happy for us. Good. If you're listening right. to us saying we don't need advice and you're like, fuck you, we need advice, again, please email us. <laughs> I got a question. Fuck Where are yeah. all these listens from Louisiana coming from? <laughs> we, we're California-based people, and we have... California is our number two state. Over okay. double, over twice as many plays are coming from Louisiana right now. Wow. Okay. So if what's you, happening there? If you New are Orleans? the mystery Louisiana there. New Orleans um, listener, let us know. We would love to talk to you about. There. We would love to a- answer questions specific to Louisiana. Um, I have some family there. I kind of doubt that it's them, but it could be. I don't know who listens to this podcast. I know a handful of people that listen to this podcast. And for you guys, I am so fucking grateful. I'm sending you a virtual kiss right now. Um, Yeah. Wow. And if you identify yourself as a listener from Louisiana, you too could be the proud recipient of a virtual kiss. Mm -hmm. That could be for you. (laughs) All right. We got a question coming at us from Paint New. Do you guys wonder sometimes that there can be a lot of things that you might not be aware of? And sometimes it is too late to get knowledge about something. Mm. How do you overcome these thoughts? And then I'm going to read a a comment that they posted just below their question to give you a little background. Love it. Today, while going through YouTube videos, I came across one which mentioned shaken baby syndrome. I was not aware if such a thing really exists. And that, too, so dangerous. I mean, a little ignorance on your part can change somebody's entire life. Yeah. The very thought bothers me. Okay. Um, Don't I... shake babies. <laughs> I should. That's real. You should never shake your baby. I've seen public service announcements that say specifically that. You should never shake your baby. Yeah, definitely. 
Definitely. You can now, if we're being semantic about it, like burping a baby is kind of bouncing the baby, which is different from shaking it. Right. Bouncing, rocking. That's all good. That's all fine. Don't see that as like, oh, well, that's technically shaking. I'm defining shaking as holding at arm's length or even close to your body and jiggling. like. Yeah, like if you want to take milk out of your fridge and stir it up, don't do that with your baby. That kind of thing. Yes. Don't do that. Um, but Upside I feel down, like, right side up, <laughs> rapidly switching. I feel like we're missing the core of this question. <laughs> By right, let's get back to it. Describing then. how we shouldn't shake a baby. Um, so one thing that I would say is I want you to just wherever you are right now, just imagine paint new an iceberg paint new. Anyone else listening? Just imagine an iceberg floating in the ocean. And from your vantage point above sea level, you can really only see the tip. But under the surface there is a gigantic portion of the of the iceberg maybe 80% of it that you can't see and i feel like it's important to remember this this is also kind of a good metaphor for thinking about our conscious awareness versus unconscious or subconscious awareness like mm-hmm. there are only so many things that we can maintain in our brains that we are we subjectively experience as sensing it, like seeing it, hearing it, smelling it, tasting it, whatever. And then what's stored in our brain. And then there's information we're just never going to come across, whether it's because it's domains outside of our training or expertise, or it's information about people we're never going to meet in our lives or the time period. It came way before us. It's coming way after us. There is so much, uncertainty and so much stuff that we just are never going to know. And that can be really frightening or unsettling to be made aware of. Like when you, when something kind of just bubbles up to the surface and you're like, oh, I had no idea this or anything like this existed. And it can be a little shocking because it can remind you of that 80% of the iceberg that's under the water. Um, But I think that the most important thing for dealing with this is just accepting it. Because even if you uh, pick up 80 encyclopedias and you study them top to bottom, that's still going to be the case for you. You're still, there's still going to be lots of things that you don't know. You can only know so many things. You can only store so many things. You can only experience so many things. Um, and that's true for every single human being and non-animal um, animal, non, non-human animal <laughs> on this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming to terms with the fact that there's going to be so much unknown is, I think, one of the most difficult, but also one of the most important and liberating things that you can do when you're just, you know, have an 80-year lifespan on a rock floating around space. Yeah. I I think it's uh, situationally based. Like, it's not too late. Okay, part of the question was, sometimes it's too late to get knowledge about something. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if you've already shaken a baby, you wish that you'd <laughs> known beforehand. Um, yeah. 
But like that's why there's uh, classes and you can ask people for advice about things and you can read books about things as you're entering a new situation, as you're moving to a new place or starting a new job or starting a new phase of life. As you pick up some new responsibility, you can learn about that field and gain some expertise. And uh, people who have made mistakes um, often find meaning of sharing their lesson uh, with other people so that you can learn from them, hey, d- d- only one person ever should have to shake a baby. It's happened many times, but uh, the first person who sh- shook a baby probably wanted to, and, and it was a bad shake and the baby suffered from it, probably wanted to share that message with everybody else. Hey, don't shake these things. Yeah, it doesn't go so well. Um, yeah. I, I really share, though, that fear and concern, um, and especially that, I'm glad that you brought back up that particular line about fearing that it's too late to get started with something. It can be really intimidating to find out how much more there is to know, because the more that you start to learn, the more you unearth all the questions you haven't answered yet. Um, And I find this in exploring new domains as well as domains I thought I was very familiar with. Um, Mm. So like for me, studying psychology, for example, it's like, all right, I'm relatively well-versed in it. I have a working knowledge of it, but the the deeper I go, the more I realize, oh God, like I had, I had no idea about this or I had forgotten this. Um, and then now I'm, now I'm trying to add music to my sort of professional repertoire. And that's something that I'm starting virtually from scratch at and, I have so much fear about where that's going for me and just even getting to a point in my life at age 29 to 30 now, starting out on that. I I, I, I really have that feeling of like, fuck, I feel so behind in this because there are people so much younger than me who have way more of a skill set than I'll ever have in, in some of some aspects of musical skill. Um, but what's really helped me has been to first recognize, recognize that I'm feeling this kind of false sense of urgency or this not necessary sense of urgency and that it, that it makes sense that I feel behind because it's, it's taken me so long to even get to this point where I can identify this as something I want to do. But I find it tremendously helpful to remind myself of all the experiences I have had all of the things that I have been really grateful to learn and tracing back somewhat, um, if not just trusting that the things that have gotten me to the point, the things that I've done and, and spent my time on, even if they're not for me, weren't starting to develop more mu- musical skill and knowledge have gotten me to this point where I've at least been able to identify, I want to pursue this more seriously. Um, So I think that you have to have some sense of, okay, my past was meaningful and critical in getting me to my present. And now in the present moment, which is all we have, we decide what we want to devote our time to. Um, And and it's really never too late to get started. It's never too late to get started. And if you try to reframe your attitude from, oh my gosh, there's the 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 80% of the iceberg that I don't know and the things that I don't even know I don't know yet are always going to be there but 
I can get really excited about, ooh, today I learned this fact and, and tracing your tracing your sense of accomplishment and, and taking time to experience pride and joy for the things as you do learn them. That's what makes it fun because you're always going to want to get to the next level. You're always going to look at what you've mm-hmm. done and look at where you want to go and be like, I want to go further. Um, but what's the point if along the way you're not enjoying the process? Yes. Um, you may uh, never know everything. Nobody will. But you might have a unique combination of knowledge that nobody else has by studying different things that other people yes. haven't combined in that way. And then you yeah. can draw connections that other people haven't. And I think this is kind of cool. It's, uh, it makes it a, a team effort for human understanding to, we've got to share things like nobody understands everything about how the global economy works or some complex system, but we all have our, our little pieces and you can start to co-paint a more, uh, co-paint a new picture that mm. I was using your username um, <laughs> that gives you a little wider view of how things work. Um, I love that. I love reframing yeah. it as a collaborative effort rather than, cause a lot of times, especially in like a capitalist society and hyper competitive society, we, we just, we feel like we're against each other instead of all working towards creating a better humanity. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's way more optimistic. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Um, okay. Here comes a question. Here it comes. From DCG Mechanics. Okay. DCG Mechanics asks, how to not look at boobs when talking to a girl? <laughs> Period. <laughs> um... I don't really struggle with this. So I'm going to defer a lot of, yeah, go ahead, Rob. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't have this problem. <laughs> Here's, if you want to really be safe, you just have to keep your eyes closed with a hard squint. <laughs> I think if you're doing that. Abstinence. <laughs> Beyond that, uh, I mean, the truth is a little messier is that there's going to be glances sometimes. Something makes a loud noise below you, and you're going to move. You're going to check it's, if it was her boobs. <laughs> yeah. At, uh, sometimes your eyes don't move so fluidly, and there's kind of stages with stopping points. Um, here's the main, I think, important thing is don't linger, and um, don't, like, Every couple seconds, keep checking back in with them. They're not changed. Um, They're the same. Well, as someone who's looked, I'll tell you, sometimes they do change oh, okay. based on position, okay. lighting, um, sure, sure, sure. movement, whatever. But um, <laughs> here's some things you can do. You can uh, practice on photographs of uh, a woman with breasts looking at her eyes. Um People like to be looked at in the eye for, I think, about three to five seconds is an ideal time. I've seen some YouTube videos that will help you practice eye contact, starting uh, with children and then (laughs) (laughs) then older folks and then groups of women who are laughing. And then finally, one close up of a beautiful young woman 
um, that's the hardest uh, setting that this YouTube video goes to. So you can practice eye contact online. Morgan, I'll, I'll let you say some things now. <laughs> um, I, I, these are all really great tips. I really hadn't, hadn't put that much thought into it. Um, one thing that you can do, uh, sort of similar to what Rob was saying, is if you you start by looking at someone's eyes and then you notice yourself start to drift down, just let yourself keep going. Just go all the way down. Like you said, don't stop. Mm-hmm. Think about hitting the floor. Think about like, oh, I was just on my way down to look at my own feet or something. Um, I do actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I do inadvertently look at like a guy's crotch sometimes. Like even yeah. if even if it's someone whose penis I would never want to see and would be like completely repulsed by, it's like sometimes like there's a computer program running and it's kind of like, oh, just check. Like just, <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. And like, you especially don't want them to see your eyes go there, especially if you're not trying to signal that you want to see their penis in any way or that you want it to be in your thoughts at all. Um, but you can be a little bit sneakier by keeping your face pointed at the direction you were looking before and not turning your neck at all, but just moving your eyes. I think it's pretty easy to see someone's eye contact, though. Like, I mean, I guess it depends on the situation. If you've got to wait until a moment when they're they've turned their head or they're looking at something else, you could say, "Hey, look over." Th- now nah, you don't want to be the one. <laughs> hey, look over there! Them. I'm going to check out your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> but you can wait for those moments when someone calls to them. I think that I think in general, it's just. If the question is how, not how do I look at boobs sneakily, but the question is how do I stop looking at boobs, I don't think we should be advising that they find alternative ways because I think we should encourage them to retrain their brains not to default to looking at boobs. So any kind of – it's just sort of a mindfulness <laughs> question in a yeah. way um, of just paying attention. Do you think it's better for them to look at more boobs on their own when they have photographs? Uh, uh, available to them mm. or to look at fewer boobs um, to kind of train themselves. That's a good question. It's a tricky one. They may, they may know themselves well enough to know what the answer is for them. Does looking at boobs make you want to look more at boobs more or does it fill up your boob cup, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I had something else to say, but I don't remember what it was. Um. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know what it was. So when you are watch looking at someone when you're having conversation, uh, yeah, yeah. watch mm-hmm. their eyes. Spend a little yes. bit of time studying what their where their eye line is and see how they navigate. Um see if they do any side glancing and just take a minute to to not be in your own head but to try to kind of get inside their head. It's almost like the imagine your audience That's in great. their underwear mm-hmm. kind of yeah, protocol. Um, I think it's it's playing a new game instead mm-hmm. of uh, approaching the interaction with wonder what the shape and texture and consistency and uh, color of those breasts are. You ask <laughs> yourself. Consistency? Yeah, consistency. Is it uh, very viscous? Is it gelatinous? How, how runny or thick are they? Um, <laughs> are these boobs or eggs? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you ask yourself. <laughs> you ask yourself instead, how is this person feeling right now? What is going on 
inside of their head and what uh, words, what what emotions might be coming up. And that you're going to find all, it's a lot more telling around the eyebrows, the mouth. Um, read, so if you're playing that game instead, and that's like an ever-changing, maybe not ever-changing, but it's certainly more dynamic, than, and it's going to give you more information to their internal state than their breasts are, which, I mean, what really... I guess it's expressive if nipples are hard or soft, but I think try not to go down that path. <laughs> That's something you can confirm at a glance and doesn't need to be. Um, <laughs> you don't need to keep watching to see, to check for updates. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think that's a really thorough answer. Great. Okay. Moving on to a question by T throw away. There's a lot of double letters in there, so Okay. I found out my new coworker is the daughter of the woman my dad was cheating on my mom with. Oh no. I, twenty-four female, work in a small office setting with only five of us. My new coworker, twenty-ish female, I found out is the daughter of the woman my dad cheated with. I have no idea what to do in this situation. I have extremely bad anxiety surrounding work, and this has been the straw that breaks the camel's back. Mm. I feel uncomfortable in my skin while I'm at work, and it's a constant reminder of how dysfunctional my family is. I'm not even sure if she knows about what our parents did or who I am. What makes it worse is my dad is cheating again. We just found out with four or five women, possibly the mother of my coworker again. My mom and I have been through a lot in the last month, including the death of her mother, so I haven't said anything to my mom because I know she will feel horrible for me and it will add to her stress. If anyone could share even a small tidbit, that would help. Please, no judgment. Wow. Um, the first thing I... Yeah, I feel for you. This is a really yeah. tough situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing to say is just no wonder this is really tough. Um, and I, I can really understand how this would be exacerbating your anxiety around work and making it almost unbearable or really difficult to focus on the task at hand when this is running through the back of your mind. And it's, it's triggering thoughts of all kinds of different things that are very sensitive, understandably for you. Right. Yeah. And to just be confronted with it all day where you're um, meant to be accomplishing something as a team or, you know, have your focus somewhere. That sucks. I think um, you can try and make the situation better from within your job or you can try and find a different job, leave this job. I don't think it's hopeless, though. Um, I think the route to making this a little bit more palatable is to learn other things about this coworker mm. so that that isn't their whole defining association when you see them or when you have to work with them. Just um, recognizing that they are a different person. They, um, I don't know what their relationship or how similar they are to their parents, um, but this isn't the person that your dad cheated with. Um, this is a unique individual. They might not know, like you said, about that situation. Um, but 
they certainly have something that's unique about them. And if you can learn a little bit about that or just start to uh, see them as distinct from their mother, then I think that can go a long way to uh, humanizing them and making them a, a reminder of other things that aren't just, uh, as you put, uh, dysfunctional family history. Yeah. Um, I think another potential suggestion that might be helpful for you, I mean, it's it's going into the the meat of it, so maybe it won't be that helpful. But I do think for things that we have a lot of anxiety around, it can be good to clear the air even just within ourselves about what are all of the facets of the issue and why am I feeling a certain way and what's triggering that and what are all the things connected to it Um, and to just do a little bit more emotional exploration around it and and put some things that are currently in, in shadow for you and causing fear and stress into more light. And what I would suggest for that is a couple of different, as we often do on this podcast, suggest writing the letter that you never send. So mm. a couple different ones I would suggest for this situation would be... Yeah, who should they write a letter to? So first, I would write a letter to this girl, um, imagining mm-hmm. that you know she was sitting in front of you and she wasn't going to remember anything that you said, but just all the things that you would want to get off your chest about the situation, about her, about your fears, your anxieties, what it's like to work yeah. with her... Yep. What, you know, how do you feel about, uh, her, uh, her parent, all of that. Um, the other thing that you can do is I'm sure that will bring up a lot of underlying feelings toward you and your parent. So you could write a letter to your parent, um, and all of the, uh, all of the lingering emotions that you have about, uh, their infidelity Um, because I, yeah, it's, it's a very complicated situation. Um, and it can bring up a lot of feelings too, about, um, your childhood, that parent's ability to love you, that parent's honesty, trustworthiness during times that were uh, formative for you. And that can still be inflicting a lot of anxiety and a lot of wounding for you. And lastly, um, Mm -hmm. a communication, a a fake communication that I would be interesting to see the result of is for you to write from the perspective of this coworker, if you knew the situation, how would you want you as you to deal with it? So kind of putting yourself in her shoes because right now you don't know if she knows or not, but taking the perspective that she had all of the information you had, how would she want you to handle this? It might be an interesting thought experiment and it might lead you to how intuitively do you feel like you should actually approach things with her? Yeah. I think uh, if you can find people who aren't, involved directly to talk to about this too. I mean, posting online is a great start for this. Um, but if you have people who are non coworkers, non uh, family that are directly affected by this, if you have friends outside of those, uh, circles, it'd be great to start to talk about these things. Um, 
in addition to the letters, just getting like that live feedback from another person um, as you're feeling this all out could be really helpful um, or could just take some of the weight out of the everyday anxiety that you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Do we have anything else okay. that we want to say about this? I, I think we covered it and I, yeah, I just, I really, I really feel for you in this situation. And the more I think that you can breathe with the difficulty, think through your options and the variables, the more in control you'll feel over a situation that was completely out of your control. I guess I just want to caution um, against any kind of uh, redirecting anger at this coworker's mother or at your father mm. uh, towards the coworker. If you start to find that things that multiple coworkers do bother you more when she does them or just uneasiness, try to um, recognize that you could be transferring emotions uh, about the situation that you associate her with to her. And um, I don't know her, but it seems unlikely that she um, is responsible for the event that happened between your parents. Um, yeah. That's a so. really great recommendation for you to just take a closer look at your emotional reactivity towards her. If there is more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, I want to do one more question. Let's do it. Here. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Paradise Haven says, too much detergent? I wash my hat with too much detergent in a cooking pan Whoa. with cold water. Whoa. I rinsed it super well and then three or in the dryer. I'm kind of worries about wearing the hat. Any negative health effects from this? I've never heard of washing a hat with detergent in a pan. Yeah. Me neither. So in that way... You are in uncharted territory. I think you're fine. You said you rinsed it super well. I mean, that's yeah. all I was going to say is just why yeah. don't you just rinse it? I think if you um, leave it out in the sun, dry it maybe, or just put it back in the water. If you let it dry twice, no, I think you're fine. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that something. We... You, okay. If you really uh -huh. want to be careful, put the hat on your knee or some area like that. Uh, see if you have any kind of a skin reaction to it. You're worried probably about like peeling or over drying from the soap. Um, you can do that. Just rest the hat on your knee while you're watching a TV show. And uh, if there's a big rash or some kind of skin reaction, at least that's not happening on your face and your head. Um, and you're not sweating a detergent acid into your eyes or something you know that i guess that's your concern try it on another part of your body first but i think you're fine to just go on and wear the hat yeah i think so too i mean i think that you use i'm sure the same detergent to wash your clothes and you trust the washer cycle and it's probably similar and and the other thing to say is that we are exposed to not to freak you out but we are exposed to a lot of you know very small amounts of all kinds of trace chemicals through all mm. kinds of things and your body has a really good built-in system for um 
you know, keeping you safe and managing that, um, that exposure. So I would wager that also, if you're already, you know, exposed to this detergent in some capacity, you, because presumably it's what you wash clothes in, you're not going to be, uh, it's probably not something that you're going to have a reaction to. And you can probably smell if it's kind of the same intensity or concentration remains on Smelling it as the remains detergent on your clothes. Is normal, though. I don't want you to think that just because you can smell the detergent that it's bad. I would <laughs> I would go by touch feel. If it feels like gooey or slimy, like it's coated in detergent in that way, then give it another rinse, you know? Yeah, yeah. So maybe there's also, though, just for funsies, yeah. as a thought experiment, um, okay. what would be a good head condom for use underneath okay. this hat? A head condom is like a swimmer's cap. Sure. I was thinking of any kind of thin barrier that goes between the hat and the the head. So either either a male condom barrier, meaning a barrier of the head, or a female condom, meaning a barrier from inside the hat. (laughs) Oh, for the hat. Yeah, more like a a shower cap that you staple to the inside of the hat or you glue to the inside of it, perhaps. You that do that, but I think I really think it's unnecessary. <laughs> oh, I think it's completely um, <laughs> unnecessary, but I'm just trying to be creative. You are. I know you're very creative right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. No denying thanks. that. <laughs> um, you know those bald skin caps that can make a person cover up a person's hair and mm-hmm. make them look like they have a shaved head, or a wig cap, or a wig cap. Yeah, so that's like something that's already meant to go beneath like a wig between your head and the wig to make it fit um, snugger. And it's like not a plasticky material, so it probably wouldn't make you too your head too hot. You could mm-hmm. also create a crown of thorns on top of your head and then put the hat on Ooh. top of that. And You're then guarantee more damage and subdermal detergent invasion. <laughs> but then you are dying for our sins. So, you know, take your pick. Put the crown on top of the hat so people can see that you are the Lord and Savior. You don't want to just do that and not get credit. <laughs> I wonder what kind of hat it is. Could be a baseball cap. I'm thinking cap. A, a Stetson. Mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time imagining that being washed in a pan. I was kind of imagining. Well, was now I'm kind of imagining a bucket in pan hat. in the first place. I don't know. I would put it in the bathtub or like Fill a sink. Yeah, you, maybe the sink. I don't yeah, know. The sink. I'm I'm curious about more elements of this washing process. I don't wear hats. I don't think I look good in hats, as as no, you know. You don't wear hats. I don't wear hats, so um, yeah, I don't really know that much about how to cleanse them. It depends on the material. There's probably a tag yeah. that uh, you're following those instructions. Well, yeah. I think we knocked that one out of the park. <laughs> um, hats off to you, guys. <laughs> this has been great. <laughs> yeah, hats off. Has it been good for you? It's been good for us. It's been good for you. We came. We loved it. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back next week, too. Absolutely. Um, you can count on it. And if you have questions you want to ask us, or if you want to, if your question was answered in this episode and you want to give us feedback, please email us at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Cool. All right, Morgan, let's get out of here. Let's get on with the week. What do you say? I Everybody, say yay. Keep going boldly, strongly. If you're feeling weak, that's okay, too. Yeah. Um, We'll keep you company in the future. Awesome. 
All right. Merry Christmas early, everyone. (laughs) Goodbye. Keep the hope alive and your imaginations burning. (laughs) You snooze, you lose. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.